Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles. We win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. The Big 12 Conference makes some mistakes when it comes to the 2024 football schedule. This is the Big 12 Watch. I am your host, Josh Neighbors, here on Crystal Ball College Football. Also, later on in the show, Ollie Gordon's Heisman odds and why there's a good chance we could be seeing him in New York if he has a big game this weekend. All of that and more, once again, coming up on today's Big 12 Watch. This is part of Crystal Ball College Football on the 365 Sports Network. You all can find us wherever you get your podcast and here on YouTube as well. Five stars for the podcast wherever you get it. Like and subscribe here on YouTube and on Twitter at NWPod365 at Josh Neighbors underscore as well for the Big 12 best bets last week, a five and one week. We are 29 and eight, 28, uh, 29 and 18 overall. Yeah, that's right. 29 and 18 overall. So uh, we've been hitting them well, but it's crunch time now in November. Let's see if we can keep nailing these, making you all some money. 29 and 18 against the spread, Big 12 best bets on the season. Much like Ollie Gordon, we were hot in October. All right, so um, once again, too, this is not how it normally looks. The camera's a little bit weird and saturated. I'm using my backup laptop. Other ones of the shop should be fixed by the beginning of next week. So I hope uh, I appreciate you folks bearing with us here on the show. So let's discuss the big news. The Big 12 schedule is out. And if you guys want to go and look at individual team schedules, I encourage you all to do that every single team has posted their schedules on their websites, uh, on their Twitters, you know, so you guys can find those in all of those places. All right, but the Big 12 football schedule in terms of conference, the general gist is this. The schedule was released. It's a nine-game conference schedule. That is the way that it works. And every four years, you will play at, you know, you will have played every single team home and away. So nine game conference schedule, they will rotate. There is no divisions. The best two at the end of the year will go. Obviously this makes it difficult. It is a 16 team league. Um, you know, in a 16 team league, you're thinking about, Hey, 
If you play nine conference games and you are that 10th team, then you are missing six opponents, right? That you are missing uh, six of 15 possible opponents every single season. You know, you wish that was not the case, but that is where we are in college football right now. Every other conference has to deal with something similar. That is the way this thing goes. The and, and look, generally speaking, guys, I love seeing the schedule. It makes me excited for the future. There are plenty of, I mean, honestly, all the matchups, like you look at them, and the thing that makes you most excited is the quality of them overall, right? Like you think about the SEC, you think about these schools going there, and like it's cool that Texas will go to South Carolina, right? But as awesome and amazing as South Carolina is, South Carolina is not very competitive right now in that conference, right? Vanderbilt has not been very competitive in that conference. Uh, and there are times you know, where some teams like Arkansas, they've been competitive in games, but they're not winning games at all. Mississippi State, right? Getting dog walked in a lot of games. The thing about the Big 12 that's so exciting is, you know, it's the blessing and the curse, right? There's no big brands, but, but because there's no SEC West, like you don't need a once in a generation Dak Prescott at Mississippi State to think about maybe going to the SEC championship game. And guess what, folks? He didn't actually go to the SEC title game that year, right? And so that variance, that is the excitement. You look across the schedule, guys, all the games are exciting. I just want to highlight one schedule just to give you all the gist. When I saw Oklahoma State schedule next year for home and away conference opponents, as I'm pulling it up right now, I have to use my phone because my uh, backup laptop processing power is not great. So I have to use the phone for, for notes and whatnot. But if you go to Oklahoma State football and you check out that schedule for 2025, um, at home, they've got ASU, Utah, Texas Tech, and West Virginia. On the road, they go to BYU, they go to Baylor, they go to Colorado, they go to K-State, and they go to TCU. How exciting is that, man? I mean, they have they have a year where they get to go all, you know, they get to go to Utah and to Colorado and to in Texas and Kansas. I mean, like it's just exciting to have a schedule where you're gonna be playing you know, they, and they play, you know, uh Utah and K-State in the same year, one home, one away. TCU obviously on the road as well, too. There's just so much variance in all of these. And to make my point about the SEC, these games all feel like they can be competitive. Now, you're hoping that the new schools which have not shown a whole lot so far. Even at five and three, it's tough to make the case that BYU is having a very successful beginning. You know, actual, relatively speaking, they are. Honestly, you actually could make the argument they are having a successful campaign because of considering how bad the other schools are doing, but they've got a long road to hoe to even make a bowl game, right? So you're hoping those schools come along, but I think Utah, um, I think I know the way that a lot of Big 12 fans feel about Utah. Look, folks, on the Utah point, Naturally speaking, you can understand why Utah fans would want to be uh, in the Pac-12. They've been running that thing for the last couple of years. And look, they didn't even have Cam Rising this year. They still beat USC. They own USC right now. And so they weren't able to beat Oregon, but like it's a different story. They've got some different personnel. And so you'd understand why a school that's having so much success in that league would have fans and, and you know, themselves – uh, be hesitant about leaving that league, right? You'd want to win, stay in that league because you're realizing success right when you move up to Power Five. But we all think Utah is going to have a successful year. And you know, even thinking about, let's go another direction here, like the the Coach Primes of the world, right? Now they've got some serious roster building to do. 
we've been seeing it recently, right? You have to understand like this is going to be a challenge for them. But at home next year, they've got Baylor, they've got Cincinnati, they've got K-State, they've got Oklahoma State, and they have Utah, right? I mean, they've got this year's reigning defending champion. They have last year's previous champion. They have uh, a team in Oklahoma State that could be this year's champion, right? They've got Utah, obviously, then away, Arizona, UCF, KU, and Texas Tech. I mean, they get to go to Texas. They get to play an old rival in Arizona and go down there. They get to go to Florida, right? And they get the Big 12 country experience when they go to Kansas. So you're seeing just the, like, that's exciting. I mean, that's, it's just, there's variance there. And so you don't know which games are going to be competitive, right? You don't know if West Virginia all of a sudden has that awesome season. And now we're talking about their games being exciting week in and week out, right? You, you never know what you're going to see. And that's the fun part about it, right? Who's going to be the surprise? Uh, Oklahoma State, you know, after the first month, oh my God, terrible, right? They pick a quarterback, they get Ollie Gordon rolling. And now, I mean, they they seem to be a, a well-oiled machine, right? And we'll see what happens against Oklahoma this week. But you can see what I'm saying with the excitement level. So that's good. And, and I think we should look at the schedule and get excited, generally speaking. The one issue I have, and I think we have to go to this now, is what rivalries were protected? And I think it begs the question, which rivalries were not protected? Now, I want to preface this conversation by saying this. I am not a scheduling guru. I am not pretending to be a scheduling guru. I, I do not have all the answers. I'm not sure how you get it done. Um, but there are a few rivalries in here that were not protected that I'm a little bit concerned about, that I'm, I'm a little frustrated because I do think the one thing this conference lacks off the top is a lot of natural rivalries. They have a good number and they've got some that they decided not to protect. So if you are watching, I will, uh, you can see the graphic up here on the screen. If you are listening, I will read them off to you all. Arizona and Arizona State, the Territorial Cup, as it's called. The Holy War between BYU and Utah. I'm not sure if they have a name for that. Uh, besides that, I, I don't know if we don't like that one anymore, whatever. Um, uh, Holy War Part Two, <laughs> uh, Baylor and TCU, right? Um, obviously, that one is a big rivalry. And then Kansas and K-State is the last one, right? Uh, that is the final one. Now, the big miss here, in my opinion, is farm again, right? Kansas state against, uh, Iowa state was not there. And so it kind of, you know, it, it kind of frustrates you because I, I, I feel like pods was almost better off for the big 12. I really do with the three opponents you keep and then the six that you don't and you rotate, right? Because Arizona, like I would like to keep them with the three schools that are closest to them right now. Actually, I think if you're a coach, you might not like that because you want to get as many chances to maybe go into Texas as possible. And if it rotates, you might miss out on that. Although still, there's plenty of chance to go to Texas. Um, and that's that's going to be the Big 12's most fertile recruiting ground, it feels like. But still, like I think you could have kept the uh, you know Arizona, Arizona State with Utah and Colorado, right? Or you could slide, you could slide BYU in for Colorado and dump Colorado into K-State, uh, Kansas, right, uh, you know, Oklahoma State, and then, uh, you know, Texas schools, whatever. Or, like, you know, uh, you could even slide it across, right? You could go Colorado in there with, uh, you know, with Iowa State and Cincinnati and Oklahoma State, right? You could go just a different way with that. 
there's different ways they could have done this. Uh, and once again, I'm not a scheduling guru, as you guys can obviously tell. There's problems every direction you go. But K-State, Iowa State, like you want to protect. Now, the good news is you're playing everybody home and away every four years. So you're not going to be missing out on Farmageddon, you know, games like that too often. The one school I did think of, though, that kind of wants the most natural protection is West Virginia, right? Because the biggest complaint that West Virginia can lobby or, or uh, you know, lodge, I guess you could say, is, hey, man, we have to travel more than any other school. And excuse me, more than any other school. And they are correct with that, right? They do have to travel more than any other school when it comes to, uh, you know, where they're going because of just how far removed they are. Well, the one thing the Big 12 is doing now, introducing uh, Cincinnati is, that's a near rival, right? Iowa State's not too far away for West Virginia. And then, look, I know Florida's far, but for them, the most successful West Virginia teams have always been built off of Florida talent. And also, too, I want to say this, like they almost deserve to get that recruiting edge because of how far they are they kind of deserve to, to be going some places that they want to go. I think some work, you know, one thing Bob Huggins did have correct, uh, my old my old rival Bob Huggins, I'm kidding. Uh, but the one thing that they did have correct is, uh, you know, the, like, the idea that they fly so much, right? I think he said that they uh, travel more than any other Power 5 team in the contiguous United States or even any college team in the United States because of where they are located. So he's totally right on that front for being upset. He was totally correct when he said it. And for West Virginia, um, you know, I, I'm with them on, you know, kind of the, okay, this doesn't really help us travel wise, I guess you could say uh, year in and year out, but hopefully they'll play those teams. You know, once again, you get to play them twice every four years. So I guess the one thing they're hoping is, look, they're just going for competitiveness overall, right? If we rotate all these teams as much as possible, it gives us the ability to create as many compelling matchups or hopefully compelling matchups as possible. It might come at the expense of a Baylor and Texas Tech, right? But as we call it, uh, you know, it might come at the expense of Houston playing Texas Tech every year, right? It's going to come at the expense of all those Texas schools playing each other every single year, right? That That's going to fall out. But I guess what it does make sense is, hey, man, when you get schools like, uh, you could throw Colorado in there. You can throw Iowa State in there. You can throw West Virginia in there. You can throw UCF in there. You can throw, uh, you know, uh, Oklahoma State in there, right? When there is no rival in the state, that makes sense. And the thing is, every in-state rivalry, it's not in Texas, is being being protected, right? So K-State, uh, Kansas, Territorial Cup, Arizona, Arizona State, BYU and Utah. And then, uh, let's see, what am I missing one? And then, once again, non-Texas, every non-Texas. And there is one Texas one here, Baylor and TCU. So I guess, you know, like, I guess that that's good. They're protecting those, but like you kind of wanted to see the, the Texas group get their, get their kind of circular thing going. So I'm wondering, I love to hear the idea behind it. Was it just not possible to have one team with two rivalries protected, right? Was it just not possible to have the Texas group together? These are hard things to balance. It doesn't all make sense. And it is challenging when every single team or, you know, when teams have more than one rival. Okay, well, could you protect two games? Not have to do, you know, pods or whatever, but like, can you protect three, right? Can you make sure West Virginia plays Iowa State, Cincinnati, and UCF every single year? Can you make sure K-State is playing, uh, you know, Iowa State, 
Kansas and Oklahoma State every single year? Can you make sure Colorado is playing Utah and Arizona and Arizona State every single year? Maybe it's not possible. Maybe I'm maybe I'm out on the limb here. Maybe I am wrong, right? Um, but this is the case, and I guess we just have moving forward is that look, man, you know, hopefully some more natural rivalries get created. And the good news is, is that once again, you, you know, you're not going to miss a team too often, right? Uh, I remember Aaron Murray, my colleague, always lamented like the lack of places that he got to go. And this is when I was at Sirius XM, the lack is lack of places that he got to go when he was quarterbacking Georgia, the lack of places that he got to see when he was there. And also this part of this too, guys, is it is a more national league now. And so I think that Brett Yormark's focus is making this a more national league. And because of that desire to be a national conference, you are seeing him just want to play everybody as much as possible. And hopefully what you're doing is by the end of the season, you are creating the best possible matchup in the Big 12 championship game between the two most deserving teams who have played just about everybody that they could. Right. And so I think you're just kind of in a wait and see. like they're comp- they're they're creating a bunch of really good games every week. As a television product, this is gonna be good, right? You are you are filling out a lot of TV schedules, you are helping out a lot of networks at a lot of different time spots. And once again, TV runs a sport, but rivalries do help. Rivalries do good ratings, right? You can maybe argue, hey, the big 12 rivalries aren't the best rated. Now, Texas and Oklahoma withstanding, like you take them out, you know, the the current Big 12 rivalries don't do the best ratings. So, hey, man, maybe it doesn't really matter that much. Maybe the best TV idea is to give the networks as many quality contests as possible. I do buy that, but it is tough to square with the fact that Farmageddon gets left behind. Cincinnati, West Virginia are not playing every single year. West Virginia and UCF, I think, should be playing every single year, right? I'd love for Oklahoma to be able to play K-State and Kansas every single year. I'd love Houston to be able to play Texas Tech every single year. I'd like to be able to kind of give those Pac-12 schools a little bit of the ability to stay together in terms of like, hey, scheduling travel and whatnot every single year. But it might not just be possible. And also, it might be the best move for the league if you are jumbling things up and having teams go all over the place. I do buy that. I do buy that. So the thing is, you know, I'm asking the show, are they making a mistake, right? I'm not saying they are, but... I do think we have to balance those ideas, right? I, I think that's something that we can all do in our heads. Hey, man, there's positives, negatives, negatives to everything. And once again, this entire situation, like think about it where we are, folks. It, you know, even if you want to get down on the rivalries, not being there or whatever. Remember, we are here because this is the modern state of college football, right? We did not want to lose Oklahoma and Texas. Uh, that, that's that's not good for business. It's not good for the bottom line, Right. I mean, for the Big 12 schools, especially guys, who's been going to the Big 12 title game last few years, right? Who might do it again this year? And uh, the Big 12 schools get to make some serious money in league with OU in Texas. And then when football season rolls around, last couple seasons, they've been, uh, they've been you know, kicking them to the curb when it's come to the Big 12 championship game. And hey, Oklahoma was not the first Big 12 team to make the college football playoff. And they're not the first team, or they're the first team, excuse me, in the college football playoff era to win a game and make the national championship game, right? Uh, you know, to to go all the way to the CFP finals, what I'm trying to say here. So, uh, you know, TCU did that. OU didn't do that. Texas didn't do that. Texas certainly didn't do that. So you have to think like it was nice to make money off of those schools, but they're gone now. Those schools have moved on now, and you got the new schools in, and you had to get the pack. Uh, excuse me, 
he rated the Pac-12, and you got those schools in as well. So you've ended up taking out a comp- uh, competing conference, and that's good for you TV-wise. And so I think if we're going along with that strategy, and that's been the best thing for Brett Yormark, right? Brett Yormark's strategy has been strategy. It's been business, not sentimentality, right? And that's what's led them to this point. That's what got them a solid television deal. That is what got them, obviously, the new Pac-12 schools, and the Pac-12 failed to get that in. It's what helped get them the reigning champions, what helped get them two schools in Arizona, which kind of fit nicely into what you're building. It's what helped you get Colorado, which is returning back to the league. And so it helped you get this 16-team conference that when you look at it, when you look at what the Big 12's best asset is, I've made this analogy a bunch, is the Big 12 is the, it's not always the stake. It can be the stake. It can be the main course of the meal. But what the Big 12 is, is the fantastic wine that pairs up with the steak, the mashed potatoes that go at the steak, the great green beans that go at the steak, the fantastic creme brulee for dessert, the amazing dinner rolls. Once again, there are weeks where the Big 12 can be the steak, can be the filet mignon. The Big 12 championship game on conference championship weekend last year when every other conference, Big Ten and SEC included, the two big boys had their big uh, their championship games what was the most watched one and what was felt like the most important one, right? And that TCU game against K-State was a banger of a game. It was game day. It was a fantastic contest, and a lot of people watched it. And that felt like the main course, even though it happened at noon. And so I think that's what you're hoping for. Hey, man, sometimes those amazing matchups do arise, right? And so if you are in the volume business, creating as many of these different matchups that can happen all the time, is good. And think about the television windows, guys. The Big 12 can play games at 11 a.m. Central. They can do it at the 2.30 Central window. They can do it at 6 p.m., at 7 p.m., at 7.30, at 8 Central, 9 Central, 10 Central. They can do all of these times now. And so the volume business, the differentiation, is going to make them a strong product. Might it come at the cost of a couple rivalries or potentially budding rivalries uh, like a Cincinnati, West Virginia, year in and year out? Yes. That could be the case, but, but we, I think we have to note as well here that if we're talking about business, this might be the best move for business. I think we always have to factor that in. We're talking about the modern big 12 conference and also modern college sports in general. All right. Heisman odds before we get out of here. So I have to mention this. I've kind of been waiting to get to this, but we need to do it now. So Ollie Gordon right now, needs to be discussed in the Heisman conversation. And he is, rightfully so. Not saying he's being screwed. Don't want to say that at all. But the October he had, I mean, there has been no better offensive player in the entire country than Ollie Gordon in the month of November. Now, you could make the argument for Marvin Harrison Jr. because they are force-feeding him that football. I mean, they're force-feeding Ollie Gordon too. But I just want to mention this, that when you go to the Heisman odds and you look at who's available and who's there, um, you see a lot of quarterbacks, right? You always do. But when it comes to non-quarterbacks, the guy with the second best odds is Ollie Gordon II, much in part to that massive month of October that Ollie put together. Massive month of October that the entire team did put together. Now, they did put themselves behind the eight ball just a touch with that September. But the good news is they weren't riding him as much. So kind of, uh, you know, if you go to like glass half full, Hey, man, they didn't give him the ball as much. Now, it could hurt him, but actually he didn't play terribly in those games. So if you look right now at the odds of the FanDuel Sportsbook, 
Michael Penix is your favorite at plus 270. JJ McCarthy at plus 300. Jaden Daniels is plus 450. That's who I have a ticket on. Bo Nix is plus 600. Jordan Travis is plus 750. Plus 1200 is where you run into our first Big 12, uh, our first skill player, I should say. Uh, that's Marvin Harrison Jr., right? The outstanding wide receiver from Ohio State. You then go down, it's Carson Beck at 1200, plus 1200. Dylan Gabriel plus 2500. Ollie Gordon at plus 5,500 folks. So Ollie Gordon at plus 5,500 to me is a pretty good proposition. Here's why. Uh, if he has a big game this week, that vaults him into the conversation, right? He has been on an absolute tear right now. He is the leading rusher in the country. And I think you could see him, you know, if he goes for at least 150 and two scores in a win, you'd have to think that it's going to boost his profile. I don't think he needs a 200-yard game to get himself all the way to, uh, you know, we're talking about all the way to New York City. Like, I don't think he needs to be on uh, have a 250 game to get him into that conversation, I think, because of what he's done so far. And also, a big point here is, too, what they have left. You have to think, if you're a running back, how many wins does your team need for you to go to the Heisman uh, Trophy ceremony for the finals, at least. And they don't have odds to bet on who's going to the final. I wish they did, because I would place a wager right now on Ollie Gordon. Well, I would say at least nine, most likely 10, and they need to go to the Big 12 championship game. That's what makes those odds difficult, because I think if we're just straight up betting on the performance of Ollie Gordon, there is a very good chance he could go all the way, right? There's a very good chance he could go all the way. Um, you know, And the reason why, like, think about this, Jaden Daniels and LSU, They've lost two games already, right? But think about opportunity. Our guy, Jaden Daniels here has a chance to, you know, Alabama this week. I mean, if he goes crazy, like he's been going, then he's going to vault the top of the list. And, you know, I mean, that's why he's plus 450. They kind of have to hedge. They can't put him any higher than that, despite the fact they've lost games. JJ McCarthy has not lost a game yet. He's there at plus 300, I believe, right? So you have to factor that into this. It has to be part of your calculus. So, uh, but after this game against OU, it's at UCF, at Houston, and BYU, right? Now, those are letdown spots for sure, but man, if he puts it on this week, they're going to be favored in the rest of their games. I'd have to think the rest of the way, especially if he stays healthy, he can stay on the field, right? It's always your kind of concern with running backs. That's my concern, especially because when I consider what happened with Jalen Warren at the end of the 2021 Oklahoma State run, he was very much dinged up as they try to get themselves into, uh, you know, when they try to get themselves clearly into the, uh, uh, you know, into the big 12 championship game and maybe even into the CFP, we did not see a ton of Jalen Warren. So that is obviously a concern. Injuries have to be factored in. Uh, but still, if he goes crazy this week, guys, plus 5,500, see so a Jack up probably like plus 2000, but he's gonna have to put in a, a big, a big effort, but it's nothing different than he's been doing all month long. All right, that will do it for today's show. Make sure you follow us on Twitter at NWPod365. You guys can find me at Josh Neighbors underscore. Once again, wherever you guys get your podcasts and here on YouTube. All right, folks, talk to you next time.